Welcome to True Talks, an honest and open look into the challenges we all face every day dealing with God, family, and others. Now, here's Pastor Tim Buttry, founder and CEO of True Relationships. Well, I think that that was an appropriate video for us to have previous to my message this morning, simply because as that was happening, the Lord whispered to me that from his vantage point, he sees many homes right here in Southern California that look just as devastated as that does, but in the spirit, in the realm that we don't often see, we get so comfortable with our success and all that we have put together on the outside, but God sees that oftentimes our homes are devastated, ripped from its very foundation, left in a place that it was never intended to be. This morning I want to bring to you a message that the Lord has been stirring in my heart for quite a while, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to bring this message to my home church. The message that I want to bring to you I've entitled, Relationship Revival. I believe that God is calling us, and I am doing my best as a voice in the wilderness to call the church, capital C, not just this church, but the church, to a relationship revival. Our ministry's mission is to restore the family to what God intended it to be from the beginning of time. Perhaps it's my own simple-mindedness, but in my estimation of things, most of the world's ills and felt needs are the result of relationship failure. Think about it for a minute. Our inner cities are riddled with crime because fathers have abandoned their children and marriage. Poverty. Statistics tell us that the biggest factor for poverty is divorce. What about addiction and substance abuse? Ask anyone in a 12-step program when they began using or acting out, and they'll likely tell you a sordid story about how someone abused them, molested them, or abandoned them. What about social ills like AIDS and abortion? Aren't they the direct result of relational and sexual sins like homosexuality, pornography, and adultery? Abraham Lincoln once said, the strength of a nation lies in the homes of its people. But the ills and excesses of our nation have taken a toll and waged battle against our marriages, our children, and our churches. As Christians, we need to do something. We need to instigate revival. A movement that will restore covenant marriage to what God intended it to be from the beginning in the garden. To restore that and to reject the lies of a selfish culture and strengthen bonds of family in order to produce holy children. What if God intended marriage to be more about holiness than happiness? You have no idea how many people come to me to fix their marriage. And what they are saying is that they are unhappy. 
As if that is the only purpose that God has for them in life, is to be happy. I believe that God is doing a work in this generation that is beyond what has been done in time up until this point. And what he is doing is preparing us for what we all believe to be the second coming of Jesus Christ. We are being prepared as the bride of Christ. We are to be that spotless, wrinkle-free bride that he can look at and be excited about. And what I see is not a bride that is ready for the coming of the groom. We need a revival. We need to understand what it is that God is looking for and what it is that he wants for us as we become and are the bride of Christ. The prophet Malachi wanted revival. The people thought they did too, but didn't understand what was keeping God at bay. Why was he not listening to their prayers? Why was he ignoring their pleas? Why was he not interested in their activities? Somehow they were completely unaware of why God was so displeased. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, please. To Malachi, chapter 2. For those that might be new believers, Malachi is the very last book in the Old Testament, right before the New Testament begins. The prophet Malachi, some believe John the Baptist was actually the last Old Testament prophet, but we'll take it in the context of the Bible that you hold in your hands, and there was certainly something that God was wanting to say that I believe we need to hear in this day. Malachi chapter 2. And I'm going to be reading verses 14 through 16, and I've chosen to read them this morning out of the New Living Translation. You cry out, why has the Lord abandoned us? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made to each other on your wedding day when you were young. But you have been disloyal to her. Though she remained your faithful companion, the wife of your marriage vows, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are His. And what does He want? He wants godly children from your union. So guard yourself. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. It is as cruel as putting on a victim's blood-stained coat, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself. Always remain loyal to your wife. Pray. Lord, I know that the message that you gave me today is heavy. It's strong, it's direct. And I believe that it's one you've been brewing in my heart for many months. I pray today in these few minutes, 20 minutes that we have left, that somehow you would give me the freedom to be able to extract all of the things that you've shared with me and everything that I've put down on this paper and be able to deliver it to the hearts of your people. We've been praying for this day and ask that you would give all of us open hearts to hear what it is that you would want to say 
to understand whether or not our home, though it may be beautiful, may be sitting on a hillside, resting nicely in Southern California, but yet perhaps in your eye, has been ripped from its very foundation, incapable of producing what you intended it to produce. Convict our hearts this morning. Give us clarity of thought and heart. In Jesus' name, amen. In the interest of not only our homes and marriages, but also for the generations to come, I would like to extrapolate three simple but powerful principles from Malachi chapter 2, these verses that we've read this morning, that I believe have the, the potential of steering us back on course. The ability to pave the way for what I have called a relationship revival. The first thing that I'd like for you to understand as we extract it from Malachi's words is this that God is calling us to return to a value of the sacred covenant of marriage. Thank you for that amen. Well, can I hear any other amens? I come here today knowing that we have many in this congregation, and everywhere I go, I know there are people that have gone through divorce. I am not here to bring judgment. I am not here to say anything. But if we don't set a standard that is calling young people today to a biblical standard of marriage, of God's purpose, of covenant relationship, we will not survive. So it is not about making people feel badly that have gone through that devastating thing. There's a reason God hates it. He knows what you've been through. And I would guess that any of you that have been through it know the pain and know the, the power of its destructive force. And so I am not trying to make anyone feel bad. What I am trying to do is raise the bar. What I am trying to do is say enough is enough. Perhaps... I come to you with some emotions regarding the fact that I deal with this every day. And I see the kind of devastation that natural eyes don't see like we saw today. But I see it every single day with good people, with good little kids trying to make it work because they have missed some of the most primary, basic understanding of what God intended for them and how it's supposed to work and what they're supposed to do and the commitment that they're supposed to have that it fails. Dr. Tim Clinton said, it's time that we accept the challenge to celebrate and champion marriage. We must mobilize millions of couples around the world to gather in their local congregations and public arenas to say, we believe in marriage. George Barna, the well-known Christian pollster, recently identified that the lowest priorities among the dozen ministries described by pastors, I don't have time to go into all the details of what the other uh, ten ministries were that were identified, but there were two that came out at the bottom. The two that were at the bottom of the list were ministry to families and prayer. God help us. If we've missed those two, what are we going to do? I know there are many other things that we need to consider. 
Consider these facts. Few things are more important to the church than addressing the needs that exist in Christian marriages. In the past, many have felt that marriage enrichment was simply a sideline activity for the church. That once in a while the church should do something to emphasize marriage. But with the increasing number of divorces among Christian couples and the alarming number of missionaries, pastors, evangelists, and full-time Christian ministers who are leaving the ministry because of marital failure, we realize that marriage enrichment is not a sideline. It is at the heart of the church's mission in today's world. Please don't misunderstand me. The Christian's ultimate call is not the call to develop a good marriage. The Christian's call is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. But if the transformational and regenerational work of the Spirit is not enough to set us free from our self-centeredness and pride, not enough to provide the, the moxie to remain committed to the spouse of our covenant, then why do we think we'll have what it takes to be involved in evangelism and world mission? And what makes us think we'll be able to stay the course, even if we do? On the other hand, biblical guidelines for marriage prepare us for being the bride of Christ enhancing our growth as disciples and causing our spouse to be more like Christ in the process. Let me tell you a story. Bill, who's not his real name, called our ministry having been referred by a friend. Bill's story was tragic. His wife had suddenly left him and was even lying to the authorities so he would not be able to have any custodial rights to his children. They had been married for over 15 years and had two beautiful children. They were deeply, deeply involved in their local church. She even taught the women's Bible study at their church of several thousand people. Carol saw marriage as a contract instead of a covenant. And she believed that her husband, Bill, had failed drastically to uphold his end of the bargain. Carol felt completely justified to dissolve her unhappy and unfulfilling marriage. As far as I know, Carol walked away without seeking any counsel, any intervention, any help, nothing refusing to listen to her pastor or her peers. I wish I could say that was rare. Unfortunately, it's not. That someone would come to a place where they had not talked, even to their spouse, had never gone to their pastor for help, had never sought counsel, but somewhere in their hearts, they believed that they were completely right, that they could break the covenant that they had made with God, perhaps We've missed the mark in helping people understand that it is, in fact, a covenant, not a contract. Tragically, there are thousands of bills and carols in the contemporary Christian community. Some have attended churches for years. 
except for an occasional sermon on marriage, they have received little help in building a Christian marriage. They have never been confronted with the biblical concepts of covenant marriage. And they have no tools with which to build wholesome communication and intimacy. If the church is going to make a difference in contemporary culture, there is no better place to start than in calling the church to rediscover the biblical mandate of covenant marriage. No society has ever survived the demise of marriage and family. Western culture will be no exception. If the trends of the past 20 years continue, Western civilization as we know it will self-destruct. The family is the basic unit of social stability. And when the family structure loses its grip on society, the society itself becomes unstable. It is my conviction that the Christian church is the only hope for changing this trend and ushering in what I am calling a relationship revival. Once Christian marriages begin to take seriously the biblical pattern for marriage, the world will be flocking to our doors for answers. I mean, no disrespect, but I'll say it like I see it. There are people flocking to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that we know as the Mormons who teach diabolical doctrine that is completely opposed to the Word of God, and people flock there because of their value on home and marriage. It is time we wake up and smell the proverbial coffee and realize that time has come for us to face where we have failed in our self-centeredness, in our desire to want to be free, in our desire to want to have liberty to do what we think is right. Remember that in the Old Testament it was said of of a culture that was under its demise that the reason that they were going down is because they did what they thought was right in their own eyes. It's a scary place to be. And I'm telling you, we're there. We're not almost there. We are there. And unless the church gets a clue, we're going to miss it. And we will lose our impact. We will lose our ability to move into the hearts and lives of people if we don't know where to go to get there. And so I'm calling us to investigate our own hearts, our own homes, our own marriage, our own children. I believe that if we don't, we'll miss our opportunity, and I don't believe that that's God's will at all. Second thing I'd like to draw from Malachi's words are something that I think oftentimes we fail to do, and I believe I simply want to call it guard yourself, guard your heart. Twice in Malachi's brief statement, the statement was made, guard yourself. We are in a battle zone. The enemy wants to destroy your marriage and your home. He wants to destroy the ministry that you are in and the church that you go to. And he will target your marriage as fast as he will target anything. Guard yourself. The Bible teaches, above all else... Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Greg and Debbie, again, not their real names, have been married for 22 years. 
intelligent, gifted, successful. Both grew up in committed Christian homes, and together they had raised their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Greg's ministry, combined with a driven personality, forced his wife to live a life on her own and take care of her family without him or without his heart. Debbie's sexual acting out during her teenage years seemed far behind her. However, after decades of feeling unloved and alone, her heart yearned for the attention she received in earlier years. Debbie failed to guard her heart or honestly deal with her own pain. She found she could lead a double life that allowed her to engage in multiple affairs, the last one so consuming she was ready to throw away her family and her marriage. At the gym one day, she decided to talk to a woman about her desperate life. That woman had been to one of our true intimacy marriage conferences and told Debbie that it turned her marriage around. They called me immediately. We set up counseling within days. She's changed her heart. She's committed to saving her marriage. But it's still very ugly. And there are still many, many, many things that are left undone that will take months, if not years, to resolve. Temptation is everywhere, ladies and gentlemen. The worst part is that people are succumbing. And so many of them are God's people. Consider these facts. An informal poll at pastors.com revealed that almost 40% of those that responded had viewed pornography within the last 90 days. A confidential survey was conducted among 350 men from a dozen evangelical denominations. Of these... 64% struggle with sexual addiction or sexual compulsion, including pornography and other secret sexual activities. 25% admit to having had sexual intercourse with someone other than their wife since becoming a Christian. 14% acknowledge having had sexual contact short of intercourse, outside of their marriage, since becoming a Christian. An executive at a huge communications conglomerate reported that when his company was market testing a new television product via participating hotels, they discovered that the requests for porn programs went up exponentially when conventions of evangelicals were in town. I know. I hope that it grieves you the way it grieves the Holy Spirit. We're in trouble. We need a revival. As I stand here, again, I mean no disrespect, and I bring not a judgment for the purpose of hurting, but for waking us up. I know, just because I know, because I know that you're no different than all the other people that we've ministered to. There's stuff going on in your life, in your home, in your heart, 
that unless you bow your heart before God, unless you humble yourself and break before him, we're in trouble. Get help. Get prayer. Get serious. Because you have not fooled God. He knows. He knows. And he loves you. And he'll help you. But if you lie to yourself, if you avoid the truth, you're going to regret it. And so if I could just be a beacon, a light, a voice that says, please, do something. My last point, and I'll do my best to give it to you in just a few moments, is this. Establish a legacy of spiritual vitality through your children. Your children. Psalm 127.3 says, Children are the gift of the Lord. Jim and Julie have been married for over 30 years and have had their quiver full of kids in the process. Early in their marriage, they had two children, followed years later with four more. They came to me for marriage counseling. The disrespect and chaos of their marriage had almost ended their union. They decided to get help and fix their marriage rather than throw it away, to commit to covenant rather than to just walk away from what they had been. The dysfunction of their marriage and family had already caused the two older children to reject their faith. Mom and dad didn't want that to happen to the four younger ones. The restoration of that marriage demanded that we confront the chaos of the family structure. Their four energetic children, along with mom and dad, sat in my office learning about respect, honesty, and the principles that turn hearts of children back to their parents. Interestingly enough, the very last statement of Malachi's prophecy is found in Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. If you want to just flip over a few pages, if you're still there. The last statement made in the Old Testament is this. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Most, if not all, Bible scholars believe that that Elijah was the one who came as John the Baptist. The one who preceded the Christ, preaching a message of repentance. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to repent of the way that we have failed our children. Because God's only intent is not for you to be happy. His purpose in your marriage, in your union, in your covenant relationship is that you would produce holy offspring. Young people that would rise up and take this world by storm and you are responsible for whether or not that happens. Are you willing to take responsibility for that? 
Are you willing to investigate your own heart and see whether or not you have said things that have exasperated your children? Have caused them, like those children that sat in my office, on the verge of not wanting to have anything to do with their parents' faith. Why? Because the way they were treated in their home. That's all. That's why. Maybe it's an isolated situation. I haven't found it necessarily to be that. Talk about relationship revival. Of all the things God could have said to close out the Old Testament, and our Heavenly Father foretold a revival that would begin with John the Baptist and culminate in the ministry of Christ. The New Testament revival's signature feature would be the restoration and repair of the relationship we have with our children with our God, with our mate. A relationship revival calls parents to recognize the inherent value of our children. They are like living messages that send God's love to a time and a generation we will not see. Are we taking the time to infuse our children with the love godly values, and Christian character that will enable them to be the conscience, the character, and the messengers of the gospel to the next generation? That is a question all of us have the responsibility to answer. I know that a message like this can cause us to feel depressed I failed. I can't do this job. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. That's why Jesus came. You do it on your own. Yeah, yeah, you can't do it. But Jesus came to give you hope, to give you life, to give you power, to fill you with the Holy Ghost. You can do it. We have to repent. We have to be humble. We have to be broken. We have to realize that it's less about us and more about him. It's even less about us and more about our kids. But you have no idea how many times I hear moms that don't want to be home with their kids. They'd rather be at work. Nothing wrong with working. But when we make a choice over work for our children, that's a problem. That's an issue. God didn't call you to be anything other than the parent when you gave birth to those children. That's your highest calling to them. And I think we need to face the facts. We're playing games. Time to get real. Time to get serious. Close your eyes with me if you would, please. I hope that my message has been a clarion call. I've done my best to not mince any words. I asked God to help me to get it down so that I didn't go all over, but gave you something that you could take home. Has the Holy Spirit brought something to your remembrance? Has He allowed a word, a phrase, a point? a verse to ring true in your heart? 
There are many of you that may desire to want to be prayed for this morning and want to come forward. And, and myself and, and prayer partners and the pastor, pastoral staff will be available for that. But right now, what I want you to do as we close is to just simply re- respond. With eyes closed, heads bowed, perhaps you're not even touching your spouse if you're sitting close enough to them where they'd even know whether or not you respond. This is about you and God right now. If you're here and you say, Pastor Tim, I need God's help. I've been considering divorce. I have been looking for a way out. I have failed my children. I have rejected my purpose and calling the primary purpose being to raise holy children. I need God's help. If you're here this morning, whatever it might be, anything I've said, not any, anything in particular, but just that God has touched your heart and you realize you need to take something home and make something different. Would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor Tim, that's me. I, I know God's stirring my heart right now. Raise your hand if that's you. Yes, thank you. You know that God's stirring your heart. Something that has been said, something that you're going through is making sense to you this morning. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that you would bring us all to a place of humility where we would identify where we have failed as fathers, mothers, husbands, wives. Father, I pray that you would stir up a revival a revival that will cause us to return to you with passion, where we will be the holy, spotless, wrinkle-free bride that you are preparing. That we will exemplify that and express that in the way that we treat each other, our spouse, our children, our friends. That you will change our hearts. Change our hearts, O God. Know our hearts today. See if there be any wicked way in us. Forgive us for the ways that we have mimicked this culture and accepted it as appropriate when it is clearly against your word in so many ways. Help us to face that truth. This I pray in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, This has been True Talks with Pastor Tim Buttrey. If you'd like more information about True Relationships, just visit us on the web at truerelationships.org or on Twitter at Tim Buttrey or on Facebook at True Plus True.